The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Ephesians chapter number four for our scripture reading today. Thank you so much for coming to worship with us this morning. We're continuing our message series called Who Do You Think You Are? Going verse by verse through the portion of the Bible that we call Ephesians. In your service program that you should have received on your way in, there's a service uh, program or an outline that you can use to follow along as we study the Word of God together this morning. Let me invite you to stand with me, if you would, as we read our text this morning, Ephesians chapter number 4. We're going to begin in verse number 7 and make our way down through verse number 16. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, starting in verse number 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cutting craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase in the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This morning, pastor is going to bring a message entitled, I am gifted. Well, I hope you all had a wonderful Easter weekend last week, and what a wonderful thing it was to be able to come together and worship the Lord and then just glean uh, right from the scriptures, and what a blessing that was. And uh, I'm looking forward here to today as well as we continue our series, Identity, Who Do You Think You Are? As we literally go verse by verse through the portion of the Bible called Ephesians uh, that really reveals to us who God says that we are now that we're in Christ. And so we're going to speak on this subject of I am gifted. Uh, before we get into it, let me just ask you a question. Why are you here? Why? are you here? Um, you're like, oh, Pastor, are you going to give us this big, deep theological kind of quandary to wrestle through? No, I mean in a very like basic way. I'm not like, why are you here on, on earth? I'm just like, why are you here uh, in Ambassador Baptist? Why are you here today? Um, as many of you know, for several years, I was a youth pastor at a large megachurch down in Southern California, and uh, we had somewhere between 700 to 1,000 people uh, just in the youth group, and uh, I had the opportunity of serving there for uh, several years, and uh, I kind of began to notice uh, that there were different levels of why teenagers went to church. And uh, as I kind of began to watch and look, I found that really that the first group kind of, they, they basically went to church uh, because they had to go. I mean, basically their parents went 
And uh, they had no choice. They, like, literally had to go to the church. Their parents dragged them to church. Uh, They really didn't have a choice in the matter, and so they would sit there in the seats. They'd kind of go through the motions. Uh, But for all practical purposes, you know, their mother dragged them to church, their father uh, dragged them to church, and they were there uh, because they had to go. And and, and to be honest, um, even though some of us are grown up and we're adults, uh, it might be that some of us are in church because we kind of feel the same way, like we, we have to go, you know? And maybe you're a younger adult here today, and you're maybe in your 20s, and you're, maybe you're just here because your parents are sitting down the row from you, and you kind of feel weird if you didn't come. But you're, you almost feel like, I have to go just to kind of for them. And, and, and sometimes even, you know, uh, in marriages, there might be some spouses here, and honestly... If your spouse didn't make you go to church, if, if your spouse didn't like wake you up and be like, hey, we're going to church today, honestly, you probably wouldn't maybe be here. You just, you kind of feel like you, you just have to go, you know, and, 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 and maybe, maybe for others, you know, it's like for the children, like you feel like, well, I don't really want to go to church, but I kind of feel like my kids need to go to church and they really like it over there. And so I'm kind of coming, but it's, it's kind of, it's more for them. And, and there's just this overall feeling. And maybe for some of you, like you don't want to go, but you're like, like, God makes me go to church. Like, I, I don't really want to be here. I don't even know why I am, but I'm like, like I think God, like, he, he makes me go. And, 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 and maybe that's kind of where you're at. And I find that there's people in churches, and, and that's why they go. That's why they're apart. They almost just feel like they have to. They, they don't have a, a choice in the matter, you know? And, and teenagers will often fall into this just because, you know, their parents make them go. And then, then I notice kind of a second group of, of teenagers, and, and I kind of see it play out in churches as well. And, and that is simply this they go to church but for reasons other than spiritual reasons and 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 that is there were a lot of teenagers in our youth group and and literally like you'd ask them hey why why are why are you here you know and they'd kind of be like well i'm gonna talk to some guy and he'd be like see that girl down there (laughs) you know five rows up I'm here for her, you know, and uh, that's why they would be there, and, and they, were, they were there, and maybe there were some other teenagers, and they were there because of the fact that they just, enjoy, it was fun, like they, they enjoyed the activities, and they had a good time, and they, they, they kind of, it was more for relational, emotional, social reasons, and, and that's why they went to church, it was, it was fun, you know, and they had fun going, and as long as they were having fun, they'd keep going to church, and that was just kind of their heart in it, and so they went, uh, but for reasons other than spiritual reasons, and, and then I kind of found a third group, and, and this was interesting too. Uh, this third group, they went to church, and uh, they really went so they could grow spiritually, and uh, that's, that's why they went. They were there, and man, they were zoned in, and, and they, they were glad that, you know, they could have some fun, and they, were, they, were, they enjoyed being able to do some activities, and, and they, they were kind of glad, you know, that uh, there were some pretty girls that they could hang out with after youth group and things like that, but even if that girl wasn't there, and even if there wasn't the activities, they probably would have still been there because they really wanted to grow spiritually, and, and, and oftentimes, this is where we find ourselves as adults. Sometimes we'll go to church, but we go for reasons other than spiritual reasons. For some of us, we're here, and we like the relational aspects of it, and we, we like our friends, and they go to church, and so on a relational level, we enjoy it, and, and for others, maybe it's emotional. They just, they sing the songs, and it just makes them feel kind of spiritually euphoric, and, and it's not deeply spiritual, but it makes them feel good, and, and maybe there's others, and you, you come to church, and it's more intellectual. You know, you like learning new things, and it's kind of like 
being back in university or being, you're kind of learning, it's intellectual, it's emotional, it's relational. And then there's a few and you go because you're here and you really want to grow spiritually. And, and here's what happens. If you're not careful, you might begin to think that that third level is the pinnacle. Like, that's why we go to church, so we can grow spiritually. And yet what we just read in Ephesians chapter number 4 debunks the idea that this is the primary reason we go to church. Now, some of this, some of you, this is going to be a paradigm shift for you. Because you thought, I thought that's why we go to church. I thought we went to church so we could grow spiritually. I I thought that was like the pinnacle. I thought that that's what it was all about. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start marching through this passage, kind of verse by verse. And then I'm going to come back to this list at the end of the service. And then we're going to reevaluate, really, what is the church really all about? Is it ultimately about your and my personal Spiritual growth. Is that like the epitome of why we come together? So I can grow spiritually. That's why I walk in the back doors. Because hopefully when I, when I leave, I'm going to be more spiritual than I was when I came in. Is that really why God gives us ecclesia? Is that why he gives us the local church? And, and I think the Apostle Paul is going to have something to say about that. Uh, in light of last week, I, I received just such... I appreciate each and every one of you. So many of you were so kind regarding the sermon last week where we just took the scriptures and, and we just walked through them. And, and so in some way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restructure a little bit today's sermon uh, to lean into that type of pattern. Uh, there won't be any necessarily points today. We're just going to literally walk through the scriptures and hopefully let it unpack itself uh, to the best of its ability. So point number one is Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. How's that for originality right there, okay? Uh, we'll start right there. Uh, verse number 8 uh, through verse number 10. Let's just unpack it. He says here, Wherefore he saith, so the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is literally going to quote some Old Testament scriptures. So he says here, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So here in verse number 8, the Apostle Paul is quoting King David from Psalm 68, verse 18. And, And you find Psalm 68, 18 says this, Uh, David says, thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men. And so what Paul is doing now in Ephesians chapter number 4, he's literally quoting Old Testament scripture. And and so he's helping us understand, what's he talking about? What's going on here? Well, when David wrote this song of praise unto the Lord, literally he was writing a worship song and they were singing about how God allowed the people of Israel uh, to escape from Egypt out of bondage. And so here in Psalm 68, David's writing this song in praise and worship to God. Thank you for freeing the people out of captivity. Thank you for not only freeing them, but giving them gifts. You see, when the people, the children of Israel, left Egypt, they got to experience some of the, the spoils of Egypt that they took with them, and God let them keep those gifts out of Egypt. And so here what we're seeing in Psalms chapter number 68 is David just praising God that God released his people out of Israel, not only rescued them and saved them, but also gave them gifts. Now, now the Apostle Paul's going to come along, and he's going to say it's bigger than just what happened for the children of Israel. It's bigger than just what happened for the Israelites. Notice what he says in verse number nine. Now he that ascended, what is that? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. 
He that descended is the same also that ascended for, uh, up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And so the Apostle Paul is unpacking this even more and he's helping us understand, hey, we're talking about Jesus now. Jesus is the one that leads the captives. Jesus is the one that gets us out of captivity to sin, out of captivity to Satan, out of captivity to death. And yet, not only does God rescue us, save us out of captivity, but he goes on to say here, and gives gifts unto men. Just like God gave gifts to the children of Israel, God, through his son, Jesus Christ, not only rescues you, not only saves you out of captivity, but he also gives you gifts. That's a wonderful thing. Isn't God good? Man, the fact that he would save our souls, the fact that we would not have to experience that the tyranny of bondage to sin and to addiction and to guilt and to shame. And so Jesus came down to literally break us free from the shackles of our captivity. That's a wonderful thing. But he didn't stop there. He then gave us the spoils. He then gave to us gifts. Our God is so good to us. He saves us, he rescues us, he sets us free, and then he gifts us. He he gives us gifts, and that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to help the church at Ephesus really understand here. So before we kind of dive into the rest of the passage, let me just give you a few introductory thoughts about gifts, okay? And uh, we're not going to necessarily go all throughout scriptures, this is more topical here. Let me give you five quick thoughts on spiritual gifts to believers. The Bible teaches that if you are in Christ... If you have been saved, then you have been given supernatural gifts from God, all right? So let me just give you five quick thoughts about this, and then we'll keep moving through verses number 11 down through verses number 16. Uh, Real quickly, we're given differing portions of a gift or talents. And so that is to say, you might have a gift, and I might have a gift, but you might have more of that gift than I do. Uh, Maybe for two other people in this room, you might have the same gifts, but one might have more of that gift than another. And so just because you have a gift doesn't necessarily mean you have the same measure of that gift. And the Apostle Paul talks about that here uh, later on, we'll see in uh, Romans. Number two, our gifts need cultivation and maturity through discipleship and growth. So just because you have a gift doesn't mean, all right, I don't need to grow in this area because this is my gift, all right? In fact, oftentimes the area where you need the most maturity and the most growth is in the very area where God has supernaturally gifted you. So just because you have a gift doesn't mean that you can kind of wash your hands of developing the gift, the supernatural gift that God has placed in you. For example, um, you may be gifted to teach, Uh, But you might need years of studying and preparation before you formally are teaching in front of large groups of crowds, all right? There might be some here, and you're gifted in leadership, but some might be gifted to lead dozens, and others in here might be gifted to lead hundreds, all right? And so we see we're given differing portions of these gifts. Number three, be willing to serve outside of your area of giftedness. Uh, Sometimes I'll meet a Christian, and they'll say, well, that's not my area of giftedness, so I I don't think I'm going to get involved there. Uh, A church is a lot like a family. Um, How many of you realize that in your family, in your home, sometimes you just got to, you know, get in there, get your hands dirty, and serve in some areas that just need help? And and it's much the same way in a local church setting. And so be willing to serve outside your area of giftedness until maybe somebody else comes along who has a greater level of giftedness so you can kind of uh, maybe get into that area. And I think that's a wonderful piece of wisdom to hold on to. Number four here, 
a desire is not necessarily the same as a gift, all right? Sometimes you'll meet somebody and they have a real desire towards something. Ah, oh, it's my desire. And I'm not trying to be mean, but, but anybody that you know who has a, a great desire to sing but doesn't necessarily have the gift, all right? You know what I'm talking about? And some of you are like, yep, that's me. I love it. I enjoy it. Don't have the gift, you know? And I think a lot of us are like that, and this is why it's good to get counselors around you, to let people speak into your life and, and point out, is this a desire? Is this just something you enjoy? Or is this truly a gift, a supernatural enabling given to you by God? Let me say next, and this is probably the most important. There is a huge difference between giftedness and spiritual maturity. Um... Uh, one, of the, one of the most dangerous things in a church, and this often happens, is when people who purely are gifted at something are put into positions where they are not spiritually mature enough to handle. And I, we, this, happens, this happens fairly often because, we, man, the church needs gifts and it needs talents. And, and yet what's amazing is oftentimes because people have a talent or they have a gift, they ride that rather than letting the Spirit of God mature them in spiritual realms so that their gift becomes effective within the local church context. And so not only should we cultivate our gifts, but we should be growing spiritually. Um, Sometimes very gifted people are not spiritually mature, which is deceptive to them, because when you're, when you're gifted at something, but you're not spiritually mature, you're, you're kind of, it'll deceive you into thinking, why am I not involved in this, and why am I not involved in that, and well, why aren't the elders and the leadership confirming that this gift within me, and oftentimes we see the gift, but the spiritual maturity for that particular gift uh, will crush you, and it will be dangerous to others, because it's easy to look at somebody and say, oh wow, look, they have that gift, and yet it's harder for sometimes lay people to discern whether the spiritual maturity is there, and so it's deceptive to them and it can even be dangerous to others. There's nothing worse than an individual who is functionally good at something but does not possess equal spiritual maturity to steward that gift well. And this is, this is big, all right? And so, man, if you, if you have a gift in something, continue to grow in that, but also ask the Lord to grow you spiritually. Ask the Lord to grow your faith so that your gift can be effective within the local church setting. Okay, so let's keep moving. Ephesians chapter number uh, 4, verse 11. That's point number 2. Ephesians four eleven. notice this. He says here, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Notice verse 7 kind of continues, but every, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So every one of us have been given, if we're saved, if we're believers, every one of us have been given supernatural gifts. Now, in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 11, the Apostle Paul is going to uh, specifically address the gifts that are given to the local church. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, okay? And so let me do this real quick. Uh, Other gifts to believers mentioned in different passages. If you want to study this on your own, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 8 through 10 speaks of gifts given to believers. Romans chapter number 12, verses 6 through 8 is also another passage that you can go to to learn about spiritual gifts. 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse 11. I believe some of these are in your notes. If you want to see an exhaustive list of all the gifts that are given 
from Christ to the believers. You'll have to study those other passages, all right? But today, this particular passage, and especially in verse number 11, is specifically speaking to the gifts that are given to the local church. So let's just kind of go through them real quick. First of all, we see the word apostles. So God gives to the church the gift of the apostles. The word apostles, uh, literally in the Greek, means sent ones, all right? They are, apostles were ones that revealed truth from God. And then the next word you see there is prophets. The word prophet literally means the mouthpiece, or the mouthpiece of God. Uh, these prophets also revealed God's truth, all right? So if you want an easy way to kind of remember this, uh, the apostles is how God revealed truth in the New Testament, Prophets are how God revealed truth in the Old Testament, all right? If you just want an easy way to kind of remember that here in some ways. I had somebody ask me, where are the apostles and the prophets today? Where are they? I mean, where do they go? I'm going to tell you exactly where they are. They're right here. We have them with us all the time. They're right here in this book. We've got the prophets in the Old Testament. We've got the apostles in the New Testament. And they are gifts to us in the church today. But it doesn't stop there. It says evangelists, all right? The evangelist is that one who, who, not just, who doesn't reveal necessarily truth, but they share the truth, all right? And that's what an evangelist does. He comes and shares the good news of the gospel. He's the one who proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ and the message that he came to this earth, died on a cross, and rose three days later from the dead. Um, many people don't know this, I hope. You won't hold it against me. Um, I don't actually have formal training in being a pastor. Most people don't know this, uh, but I'll just throw this out here. I, I, I did not go to seminary to become a, a pastor, per se. Uh, my formal training is in what was called biblical evangelism. And uh, kind of got trained in that sphere. And it still included a whole lot of Bible hermeneutics and uh, a lot of the doctrines and things, but it was specifically geared toward getting the message of the gospel of Christ to the nations, and, and that was kind of where I geared my studies toward, but the evangelist is one who doesn't reveal the truth, he simply shares the truth that has already been revealed, all right? Then we have here pastors, and I think most of us would understand what a pastor is. It's the Greek word poimen. It literally means shepherd. It's kind of in the original context, shepherd or leader. And I'm thankful uh, for just the pastors that God brings and allows to serve and to come alongside. Uh, to the pastors, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 2, the pastors are to feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. And so the Bible gives the gift of the pastors to the local church, the elders as they're often referred to, and they're given there to feed, that's what you see here in 1 Peter 5, feed the flock of God and taking the oversight. So sometimes I'll say it this way, pastors are given to a local church to feed and they're given to the local church to lead, to feed and to lead. That is the role, the gift that God gives of the pastors to the local church. You say, well, what about all the other stuff pastors are supposed to do? Aren't pastors supposed to do like weddings and, and funerals? And, you know, aren't they, aren't they supposed to go to hospitals and, and make visits? And, you know, aren't they, aren't they, you know, supposed to do these things and those things? And like, what, what about, you know, uh, you know, planning events? And what about organizing? And what about administrating? And what about, you know, cleaning up? And, you know, after the service and all this? I'm going to say this. 
I do think pastors should do those things, all of them, visit, go to hospitals, pray over sick people, but they, that's not really what they're called to do as pastors. Uh, the reason we do that is because we're Christians, okay, because we're believers, just like you should do all of those things because you're a believer, all right? So we're going to model that, but it's not really part of the quote-unquote job description. Uh, the job description, according to God's word, is to feed and to lead. That's the formal job description. Everything above that we should just be doing because we're Christians for the same reason you're doing it. And I've had people come up to me, Pastor, why didn't you go do that? And I asked them, why didn't you do that? <laughs> you know, kind of, we kind of go, go both ways on this one. We're both kind of in the same uh, area. And, and that really is when it comes to that pastoral type ministry. Uh, you see here, it goes on to say teachers. These are the mentors. So the pastors and the teachers, while the apostles and prophets, they reveal the truth. The evangelists, they share the truth. Our pastors and teachers, they're the ones who apply the truth. How do we apply what the Bible says about, to your marriage? How do we apply what the Bible says to parenting? How do we apply what the Bible says to your finances? How do we apply what the Bible says to working with teenagers? How do we apply what the Bible says, you know, to addiction? So see, pastors and teachers come along to lead and to feed, to literally apply the truth to the very practical functional parts of people's lives and this is why a lot of people don't like pastors all right this is what we get a bad rap for this because people don't like pastors getting in their business they don't want that they want somebody who makes them feel good they want somebody who makes them happy i don't don't get into my practical life that doesn't that's no fun and uh, so it's easy to sh- kind of shy away from that why was this gift given let's keep reading here notice what it says for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. I want you to see this here. Why did God give the church evangelists? And why did God give the church pastors? And why does God give the church teachers? Here's why, get this. For the perfecting of the saints. Are you saints? Okay. For the perfecting of the saints so they can do the work of the ministry. See, a lot of churches have this idea that the staff and the pastors, they do the ministry and the congregation makes sure they're doing it right kind of the mindset you guys do the ministry and we'll let you know if we disagree with how you're doing it and yet the bible teaches no the role of the pastors the elders the role of the teachers the role of the leadership is to equip the saints to equip the congregation so that they can do the work of the ministry and and that's one of the things that makes ambassadors so unique and so special is this is not a pastor run church this is a congregation run church all together we serve the lord as one body in one unit it's not one person doing it and everybody else watching we're all serving the lord together together and that follows this biblical model um somebody might be here and say man i I don't know if i'm ready to serve i don't know if i'm ready to get involved I, i i've heard somebody say this before i'll get involved when i feel like i'm ready that's kind of like saying i'll swim after i learn how to swim how many of you remember learning how to swim i mean basically you kind of just get in there and you got to kind of do it. You swallow some water and spit it out and you kind of swim some more and, and there's somebody kind of coming alongside of you helping. How weird would it be if I said to my kids, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to read this book about swimming. And for hours, weeks on weeks, months upon months, I, I teach them the proper strokes. You know, you do this and you lift your head up and you breathe in and then you go back down and, and we just keep going through all of this. And, and then after like a month, I say, okay, here you go. Whew, throw them in the water. You say, that's not how you teach a kid to swim. 
He teaches kids to swim by just, they get in there and they splash around, they swallow some water, and they don't do it quite right, and eventually it kind of starts coming. Can I say this? Serving in the local church is very similar. You don't, well, I'm going to learn about it first, and then I'll get involved. That's just not how, it's not, you don't learn that way. Learning, the, the very understanding of learning is that you're also doing it. If you never swam in the water, you would not be able to say, I know how to swim. I know how to do it. I did this. Well, go do it. No, well, I, 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 I can't actually do it, but I know how to do it. It just, it, it, it's a dichotomy that doesn't, isn't real. And so when it comes to serving, we just jump on in and we swallow some water and we make some mistakes and it gets a little messy and we learn as we go. And eventually we, okay, I start, I'm starting to get this thing and, and coming together as the body of Christ. Now, this is really where it all kind of comes together. Ephesians chapter number four, verse 12. Remember the list at the beginning of the sermon? Why people go to church? Because they have to go to church. They go for reasons other than spiritual reasons. They come so they can grow spiritually. Now, I want you to see this here. Because this is going to show us why the church comes together. Notice what it says here. Verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. What? So the gifts of the church, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, they're for the perfecting of the saints, so the saints can do the work of the ministry, for the edifying of, notice this, the body of Christ. And so that's why we're given these gifts, for the body, why? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto, notice this, a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, don't miss this. The Bible says, you know why we gather together corporately as a church? You know why we have the gifts given to the local body? Here's what it's about. It's so that we can all come together in unity of faith and be perfected unto the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, here's here's what I want you to get, okay? You you want to know why, if if I were to have a pinnacle, per se, of why we should go to church, while growing spiritually is noble, well, I come to church so I can grow spiritually. That's noble. But we shouldn't go to church so we can grow spiritually with a period at the end of that statement, but rather with a comma. We go to church so we can grow spiritually, comma, not period, comma, so that then God can use us to build up others. Wait a second. That's why we, that's why we gather corporately. We don't gather corporately so each and every one of us can come in, wow, I learned something new today. I feel like I'm more spiritual. Oh, I feel like I'm a more spiritual mother. I feel like I'm a more spiritual father. That's good. That's why we go to church, comma, so that we can then be used as vessels to help perfect the saints until until when? How long do we do this? Until we all come into full maturity of the faith like Jesus Christ. That's why we gather corporately. You see, if it was just about our personal spiritual maturity, you wouldn't need the church get a bible you'd be good the reason god ordained the local church is for your spiritual formation you need a church you need i'm not talking about brick and walls and mortar and screens i'm talking about a body of believers that's going to challenge you that's going to encourage you that sometimes is going to rub you the wrong way so that you can learn to deal with grace and mercy Toward them that rub your personality the wrong way. 
And all these things are going to be used to mature you into the stature of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, that is why we gather corporately. So you can use your gifts to edify the body, to help other people grow into full maturity of Jesus Christ, and so we can help you grow into full maturity. When will we be done? When all of us have been conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's when, we're, that's when the job is done, or till we go home to glory. Um, I know it's a little bit cliche, but you remember, I think it was the three musketeers, one, one for all and what? All for one. I know it's cliche, but that's a little bit what the church is for. Every one of you are for all of us. One for all. And all of us are for every single one of us. That is why God ordained the church. Not just so you could come. You you see, this is not some little island where you can come and grow spiritually and you feel like you've really arrived as a Christian because I'm spiritual when it comes to my money and I'm spiritual when it comes to my parenting and I'm spiritual when it comes to... And I have arrived. This is why I come to church so I can grow spiritually. That's good, comma. (laughs) Now, we use that so we can edify and let others edify us period, until we all come into the unity of the faith. Let me ask you this. Are we all 100% unified right now? Are we all conformed to the image of Jesus Christ right now? Then I'm going to say this. We all got some, we got some work to do. That's why we're here. We're here for you. And if you're a part of this body, you're here for us. That's why God ordained it. That's why God has allowed us to get involved here. And so you see these gifts given to the church. Uh, we, notice 1 Peter 4.10 says it this way, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's why we were given our gifts, so we could serve other people with it. Not just so we could grow more spiritual. That's good, comma. Now we've got to bless others. Now we've got to help others. How long do I bless others? How long do I serve others until our entire church body is conformed into the image of Jesus Christ? That's what it's all about. How long do we serve? Verse 13, until we all attain unto unity. How long do we serve? Verse 13b, until we arrive at spiritual maturity. How long do we serve? Verse 16, until we're all working together properly. Notice verse 16, from whom the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted that which every Every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's what we're about. We're all for each other. You say, well, I'm, I'm for most everybody in this room. One for all. Well, I'm for the ones that treat me right. One for all. I'm for the ones who I like. Well, no, one for all. And all of us, for every one of us, that is why we come corporately to gather at church. It's not just about you. I know this might be a little harsh, but I'm going to throw this out here. There are people in our world and day and age and today who come to church, and it's just all about them. Now, it's about their spirituality, and so it kind of has this nice pretty facade to it. But, but it really, at its core, it's religious narcissism. about me now people out in the world it's about their selfish desires about their selfish wants. but a lot of people just come to church and it's about me it's about my spiritual growth it's about my spiritual maturity it's about my spiritual development it's about my spiritual growth 
And, and that's good unless it stops there. Then it becomes kind of ugly over time. Because it's not really what it's, it's this, this, this is not about you and it's not about me, it's about us. That's, that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to help the church at Ephesus understand. We're no islands unto ourselves. And so if you kind of come in and then and you sing the songs and I'm, I feel good and I hang out with a couple of my friends and I feel good and I, I learn a little bit from the Bible and I feel like I'm maturing and boom, that's what church is all about. You might be missing it. Because it's, it's not about you. It's not even just about the spiritual you. It's about more than that. And so some of you, you'll come to church for a while and it's all about you and then it kind of dies. You don't know what's missing. I'm going to tell you what's missing is that's not the ultimate goal of church. It's not just about you growing spiritually and you maturing spiritually and you developing spiritually. It's about now you, comma, sharing and edifying and building up and serving and sacrificing and living for all the other members fitly joined together until we all come into the unity of the faith. So i ask you one question in conclusion. Can you grow in Christ and become a fully mature Christian apart from being actively and deeply involved in a local church? And I'm going to say, based on the authority of the Word of God, you cannot. You can't. You cannot, you cannot be everything Christ wants you to be apart from a local church. Now, you've heard me say this before. I do not believe we're the only good church in the area. So I'm not trying to make that case right now. But what I am saying is every one of you do need a church that you are actively and deeply and relationally involved with on a regular basis. Are you, or, according to this passage, you're not growing. You're not developing who God wants you to be because you're not just here to grow spiritually. You need to be at a place where you can give and where you can teach and where you can serve and where you can sacrifice and where you can help others grow because that is the purpose of a corporate gathering. If it was just about you, you could get, you could get Christian radio, listen to some songs, get some teaching, and you could be spiritually mature. It's not just about spiritual maturity, period. Or else you wouldn't need the church. You get your Bible, Christian radio, you'd be good to go. The reason you need the church is because spiritual maturity is a comma. Now I'm using my gifts, sacrifice, service now to get into messy relationships. I got to work through things that are kind of difficult. It gets ugly. It gets, there's a lot of misunderstandings and frustrations. And I have to learn how to express grace and mercy. And I have to learn how to display patience and love and, and all these things in the messiness of, of this context. And God says, this is good for you. This is going to mature you. You say, but it doesn't sound super fun. Sometimes it isn't. But it's good for you. It'll help you. Most of you understand this. Those of you who are married, you understand how God uses your spouse to give you uncomfortable grace. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? The uncomfortable grace that God delivers to you from your spouse. (laughs) And God uses these things. And God's going to use this in the context of a church. Now, here's the big takeaway. I think they have this on the screens. True believing always produces deep belonging. True believing. Now, you might, you might be able to deceive yourself into thinking you really get this thing. But I'm just, I'm just going to kind of cut to the chase. I'm going to try to say this in love. 
if you are not deeply belonging, and it's been years since you've deeply belonged in a corporate community of faith called a local church, you might think you get it, but I'm just going to tell you, based on the authority of the Word of God, you don't. You don't. There's still something more that, that you need to kind of wrestle with, and there's more that you need to kind of understand because you were, God created the local church as a gift for you and you need it and we need you till all the members are fitly joined together in unity. It's ultimately all about our corporate growth, not your individual growth. It's ultimately about the growth of our church holistically, not just the growth of you individually. And this is where the mind shift has to change because some of you are stunting your spiritual growth because you really do deeply believe it's ultimately kind of all about you. And and that's not a bad thing unless you put a period there. And now you're stunting your ultimate spiritual growth because you don't have a paradigm that recognizes it's not ultimately about you. It is about a body and learning learning how to work within that context of that body. Ultimate is about corporate growth. That's what this verse is saying. Till we all come in the unity, till we're all conformed to the image of Christ. Because God has gifted you with everything you will ever need for life and godliness, that's what the Bible teaches, you're now free to use your gifts to serve and to sacrifice for others. You say, well, if I serve others and I sacrifice for others and I give them, what, what about me? God t- God's already promised to take care of you. You already have everything you need in Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. And as you're basking and meditating on all that God has gifted to you, you'll find that it overflows into the lives of others in your local church and in your uh, you know, connection group Bible studies and those places where you do life. Now, can I say this? I honestly think that every one of us want to be a part of a church like that. Could you imagine being a part of a church where every single member in the body was for you? Wow, that would be an awesome place to be at, wouldn't it? Where every single member had your best interest in mind. Where every single member had your spiritual growth in mind. Where every single member had your best interests in mind. All of us want to be a part of that church, but few of us want to make it possible to be a part of that type of church. Can I just say this? Let's be the change we want to see in the church around us. Because all of us want to be a part of that type of church. All of us would love to be a part of a church where everybody was for us, where everybody was sharpening us, where everybody was growing us, where everybody was encouraging us. But in order to have that type of church, we've got to switch the mindset in our own hearts and recognize church is not ultimately about my spiritual growth, period. Church is about my spiritual growth, comma, so I can serve, sacrifice, and love the body corporately till we all get to unity and we all get to spiritual maturity. Then I can put a period there on that statement. Does that make sense? Okay, and that's what the church is about. So my question is, are you actively and deeply involved in doing life within the context of a local church? It's vital It's vital for you. And can I say this? It's vital for us. We need you. And you need us. We need each other. Why? Because it's all for one. And one for all. That is what the Apostle Paul was trying to teach this church at Ephesus about spiritual maturity. It's not just about you. But if you're going to actually become what you need to become, it's got to at some point transition and be really about others. If you're going to get where you need to get to. Are you actively and deeply involved 
in community and doing life with a local church. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.